We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And it's here. Can you believe it? It's here. Week one of the 2022-23 NFL season. It's here. The Rams take on the Bills tomorrow. I'm recording this on a Wednesday evening. And I mean, it's here. I feel like every year you go through that time period where you're like, damn, the next season is so far away. And then bam, here we are. That's why I always like to say, like for me, the season starts when training camp starts. Because once you get to that point, it feels like everything else just flies. Boom. One minute we're talking about Trey Lance's completion percentage on practice number two. The next, bam, it's time for the regular season. And of course, The 49ers are taking on the Chicago Bears on Sunday in Chicago at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And man, I mean, I'm just excited to even talk about it. You know, like I was excited to take to to take my notes on breaking down a game or breaking down an opponent or, you know, things to watch leading up to a game. And I'm going to be excited as hell to jump on here after a game. You know, I always love. As much as the 49ers won't love them, and I, and I know that you know from a winning perspective, you don't love East Coast games, but I always love getting to watch the 49ers at 10 a.m., first game of the day, first time slot of the day, and I get to hop on here, record the post-reaction podcast, and like be done with my 49ers responsibilities by, like I don't know, 2 p.m., somewhere in there. Uh, you know, it just, it just feels right. It feels like, and then you get to, and then I get to watch the, you know, good chunk of the afternoon game. And then I get to watch Sunday night football and I get to, you know, see if my fantasy team's playing like shit. Uh, my fantasy team actually came out. Okay. I get into that a little bit when we touch, I wanted to mention fantasy football in terms of the 49ers. Um, I'm going to try and start including that at least on a weekly basis. Although I feel like when it comes to team specific stuff, fantasy football is a little, I don't know, a little less interesting because it's like, yep, I'd probably start Trey Lance. I'd probably start Brandon Ayuk. I'd start George Kittle if you have him. Hey, if you got Debo Samuel, start him too. Hopefully you don't have them all because that's dangerous. The ultimate stack though, Jesus. You know, it's like, it's just like you can almost have the same answer every week. You know, I'm never going to tell you not to start Debo. I'm never going to tell you not to start Ayuk if you got him. I guess it would depend on who your other options are, but I'm not going to know that. So it's, I don't know, talking fantasy football when it comes to just the 49ers is kind of, uh, you know, how much, how in depth can you go into it? But there is some stuff I wanted to mention later, but of course, let's get this party started. But of course, in typical 49ers, Twitter 
49ers social media, 49ers land fashion, we have found a way three to four days before the 49ers play the first game of the season to add more drama into the mix. And it's just like, I could not roll my my eyes harder today. Just reading and scrolling through Twitter. It was a form of torture that I voluntarily engaged in. And if you've been on social media, 49ers Twitter today, you probably already know what I'm talking about. And that is the fact that the 49ers named their team captains today. Among them were linebacker Fred Warner, his third season as a captain. Left tackle Trent Williams, one of the best players in the NFL, third season as a captain. Tight end George Kittle, one of, if not the best tight end in the NFL, fifth season as a captain. Safety Jimmy Ward, one of the better defensive backs, or excuse me, safeties in the league, second season as a captain, his like ninth year on the team. Eric Armstead, same amount of time, third season as a captain. Nick Bosa, his first season as a captain, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. And what do you take from that? Everybody freaks the hell out about the fact that Trey Lance wasn't one of them. The 22-year-old quarterback that just turned 22 not too long ago making his first start, first year as a starter, and people decided to flip out over the fact that he wasn't a team captain. Cover your child's ears. Who gives a fuck? Who who cares? Why do people care that Trey Lance was not main a captain? Who cares? Why? Like, uh, if, if you are flipping out over why Trey Lance was not named a captain, then I don't know what the hell you're going to do when he throws an interception or plays a bad game. It's going to seem like the apocalypse. If you can figure out how to make not being named a team captain into a big deal, then my God, this season is going to be torture for you. Because there is going to be a lot bigger and more negative shit happening than whether or not he got a fabric C sewed onto his his uniform. And by the way, Trey Lance was seventh among team voting right behind the six players that I already listed for you. And Debo Samuel was eighth. Trey Lance got more captain votes than Debo Samuel, which maybe shouldn't surprise you given his offseason. But every player that was voted as a team captain of head of Lance deserves to be there. Hopefully I made that point as I was reading their names. I would not take Trey Lance as a captain over any of the people I named. When it comes to presence in the locker room, leadership, time spent on the team, all of it made sense. It wasn't a big deal. Not to mention the fact that Trey Lance is the quarterback. He's he's the quarterback. So, like, he's already a captain by default. Everybody on that offense is already going to be looking at him. Everybody on that team is already going to be looking at him. No one cares if he's a team captain. Jesus. I mean, unbelievable. Y'all better get your shit together because if you think being a team captain or not being a team captain is a big deal, the shit that's coming at you during the regular season is going to pop your top because I don't know what to tell you. But that's ridiculous. Too much. Don't, Don't do drama. I remember at one point a fan absolutely lost it on Twitter talking about how bad his life was because the 49ers decided to beat, I believe it was the Rams during the Chip Kelly era that took them out of position to draft Miles Garrett. Now I'm not saying the four, it wouldn't have been sweet if the 49ers had Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa. Good luck paying them both, but it was unbelievable to watch someone lose their minds to that extent over just a trivial football thing. Have some perspective. Relax. Trey Lance is not a captain, but at the same time, he kind of is. The dude is the quarterback. He's going to lead the team. It'll be okay. I promise. And then to top it off, to top off the team captain bullshit, 
we have more Jimmy Garoppolo nonsense that I'm just so tired of hearing. This is the one downside of the 49ers keeping Jimmy Garoppolo is that we're going to have to continue to talk about him. And before you say, well, just don't talk about him, that's not how this works. Jimmy Garoppolo is the former starter of this team. He's arguably the most recognizable member of the team. Nobody's going to stop talking about him. You just look lost in the softs if you're if you stop mentioning Jimmy Garoppolo whenever an active conversation is going on around him. I get it, it's annoying. I don't like talking about it either, but it, it is what it is. That's the subject. That's what's that's what's hot. I could get on here and talk about the offensive linemen and their strengths and weaknesses, but you think people want to listen to that? Probably not. I'm just being honest. It is what it is. But you had Peter King, whom, for the most part, I've I've always kind of respected what he did, and I don't necessarily think what he said earns any disrespect. Doctor, doctor, disrespect, respect. Anyways, he said or predicted that Jimmy Garoppolo, or excuse me, that Trey Lance would be benched by week seven in lieu of Jimmy Garoppolo. And that the 49ers wouldn't have kept Jimmy Garoppolo if they didn't, if they had absolute confidence in Trey Lance. And I've told you guys this, guys, this already, and I'm going to repeat it in different words. I do not buy that for a second. I have never subscribed to the idea that keeping Jimmy Garoppolo was somehow a slight at Trey Lance. Evaluate the situation, please. Look at how it all went down. The 49ers traded up to draft Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo played out the season while Trey Lance developed. Jimmy Garoppolo said goodbye to the press. Played okay. Could be considered one of the reasons they they didn't move on. When you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's second half performance against the Rams. It just, and and I had to just take a pause there just to kind of like, collect my thoughts because they're all so rampant when it comes to this topic. The 49ers were openly, Jimmy Garoppolo was openly available throughout the offseason. Probably would have been traded pretty quick had he not had the offseason surgery. And then he stuck around. The 49ers have already, had already played their hand. They had already made their intentions known. Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to be gone. Well, things didn't work out how the 49ers thought they were going to. Whether or not they botched that situation or not, I don't really give a shit at this point. It is what it is. But at some point, Jimmy Garoppolo hung around long enough to where he started to consider a reasonable backup contract. And the 49ers started to consider it too. You're sitting there and you're like, hey man, this quarterback that we've had on our team for a while, we don't really want him to be the starter anymore. We we traded up for this guy. We're going to let him develop. But we still got this other guy. He's reliable. He would be the best backup in the league. And he's open to taking, in, his, in, in per his talent and experience level, a reasonable backup contract. Should we keep him? Everything in terms of winning football games and building a roster would say yes. 31 NFL teams would agree to sign Jimmy Garoppolo for $6.5 million to be their backup. 31 other NFL teams would do that if if they were given this option. Yes or no? Would you like to have Jimmy Garoppolo as a $6.5 million backup? 31 NFL teams would press yes. But you just don't get that opportunity very often. It usually just doesn't happen like that. But just by the way the situation unfolded, the 49ers were able to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for $6.5 million with a shit ton of incentives if he does has to play. Has if he does have to play. Jesus, Rob. And that's it. Like, there doesn't have to be more mystery to it. There doesn't have to be more digging. Things did not turn out the way the 49ers thought they would. Jimmy Garoppolo, no one ever, on market or an offer never materialized. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo realizes his best place is to stay with the 49ers. And the 49ers realize that the best they can do in terms of a backup is Jimmy Garoppolo. And they worked it out. Good shit. Like, if Trey Lance gets hurt because he likes to buy time in the pocket, move around, he runs a little bit, only slid for the first time like a few weeks ago. 
If he gets hurt, then Jimmy Garoppolo gets to walk in, and the 49ers can keep winning football games with a roster that's built to win football games. Why is this shit so complicated? Did we forget about the last five years when 49ers needed their backup quarterback in like four of the last five years? I think 2019 was the only year where the backup quarterback did not need to get involved. Like, what are we doing? The 49ers now have the best backup quarterback in the league. Who gives a shit about the, all the other stuff? Oh, is Trey Lance going to be offended? Is the locker Now, even Joe Staley mentioned the locker room, and if Trey Lance starts struggling, are people in the locker room going to go, well, we have Jimmy Garoppolo that's taken us pretty far before. Yes, but if Trey Lance was struggling, even without Jimmy Garoppolo, locker room would start to turn towards the backup. Or at least a different answer. Somebody outside the building. I don't know. Kyle Shanahan said that. Look, if, if quarterback struggles, the same it always arrives at the same thing. You have to start looking elsewhere. And just because Jimmy Garoppolo's in the building doesn't change that. Kyle Shanahan has never bought into... When's the last time Kyle Shanahan switched a quarterback out exactly when you wanted him to? Like, never. He always gives that quarterback every last possibility of making shit work, and then if it doesn't, it doesn't. Whatever. Beyond the point, I'm, I'm going too far beyond what I wanted to talk about. The 49ers have a great quarterback situation, and now Trey Lance gets to continue to develop with a very experienced, veteran, quality quarterback in the room. It's it's a good thing. And if the pressure of Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there is too much for Trey Lance, then now we've got another problem on our hands. The pressure under the lights of Sunday night and Monday night and Sunday afternoon and Thursday, whatever, would have been too much if Jimmy Garoppolo sitting in the room was too much. It's just it it's unbelievable how many people act like the 49ers kept Jimmy Garoppolo because they think Trey Lance sucks. It's just not reality. Trey Lance's offseason didn't look any worse than anything ever Jimmy Garoppolo has ever put out there. The 49ers traded up to draft Trey Lance to, to add that little bit more of combustible energy to the offense, that, that a little bit more electricity. They know they're never going to get that if they just wander right back to Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy they traded a shit ton of draft picks to replace. What kind of an organization would do that? That's not what they're doing. They just realized, look, let's make the best out of the situation that Jimmy Garoppolo's surgery may have screwed up, and let's just keep him as a, as a backup. Trey Lance gets hurt. We can keep winning games and get into the postseason. God, man, it's like it makes so much sense from a roster-building standpoint, yet people out there act like there has to be some sort of ulterior motive. 49ers are in a good spot with their quarterbacks. They're, they have – safety there you want to see you know we're about to see what Trey Lance can do we're about to see him go through the developmental curve that will be up and down and if something were to happen whether Trey Lance just doesn't get it or he gets hurt Jeremy Garoppolo comes in and cool we're good like damn man it's just silly how many people act like there's just something else going on we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, no. I don't know. All right. Chicago Bears. Week one, Chicago Bears. First thing you need to know, rain. Rain, 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 rain. The forecast on weather.com for Chicago on Sunday is a enjoyable 74 degrees, showers early, becoming a steady rain later in the day. So that sounds like showers during the game, and it ain't going away. You're also going to have winds north northeast and uh, north northeast at 10 to 15 miles an hour, which is not exactly light. It's going to be a hell of a game. So everybody waiting for the unveiling of Trey Lance's varied and effective skill set may have to wait one week because when I see a game like that, I see running the ball. Run, 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 run. I mean, the four, I think the 49ers were already going to do that under Trey Lance. I think the 49ers are going to run the ball at least 35 times a game under Trey Lance. I think we determined last season was like 30 was the magic number, or maybe it was 40. Like the closer the 49ers could get to 40 rushes, the better their chances of winning. I think it was 40, as crazy as that is. So there's a very good – now, the, the chance of rain is 71%. So there's a chance that maybe it's not as – impactful maybe it's not as heavy maybe it doesn't come around at all if it were me and it were fresno california and it said that i would in my heart of hearts know that that rain was not going to show up because fresno sucks and the rain never shows up it's 111 degrees right now and it was 113 degrees yesterday i don't know why i live here but i do shout out to my family so it is going to be sloppy in chicago outdoors on a grass field it's it's going to be sloppy it, it, i think it'll be a lot like that uh then washington redskins now washington commanders game where the entire defensive front was slipping sliding off the field r.i.p to forrest buckner not RIP. i don't want anybody to overreact to that i miss him he's on the colts now in case he's not dead i promise so weird game Against the Bears coming up. I don't know what to expect. I have Brandon Ayuk starting on my roster in fantasy as my flex player. But now I might see if I switch him out. Because, I mean, if it's raining that bad, how much receiving success can I expect Brandon Ayuk to have? You know, it could it could definitely happen. But I think I'm probably going to shade him for maybe. I'm in a 12-man league. So, you know, obviously the players I would be playing are not as spectacular at, at flex as you would think. I've got Brandon Ayuk there. I've also got Kareem Hunt. Um, I've got Marvin Jones, Cl- Chase Claypool, but my roster is actually pretty good. My quarterback's Justin Herbert. Uh, I came away with McCaffrey and Kamara. Kamara was my keeper. I've got Godwin, Smith-Schuster, McLaurin. Not bad for a 12-team roster with two keepers. Kyle Pitts is my tight end. Right now, Brandon Ayuk, like I said, is my flex, but if it's going to rain like that, I'm not sure that I want to go that route. Um, we'll see. And I just, you know, a word of caution for all of you. Uh, I think Debo Samuel might be stay a worthy start because he could get some action in the ground, sweeps, uh, just straight up carries, some short passes where they just block it up for him, throw it out there and block it up for him. I could see Debo Samuel still definitely getting involved despite the rain. But in terms of Brandon Ayuk, who's primarily just a pass catching, catching threat, uh, I'm not sure how much fantasy success he's going to have, but at the same time, we learned today that George Kittle had suffered a groin injury. And now Kyle Shanahan's reaction to this was, I thought he was going to be able to go today. He can't. He's day-to-day. So that tells me that the injury is not serious if Kyle Shanahan thought he was going to be able to practice today. But the fact that he didn't practice today, just a few days before the game, doesn't exactly bode well. But keep an eye out on George Kittle, whether you're just – thinking about the game or fantasy, whatever. Just keep a guy on on George Kittle's status. And so that takes me back to the point of if George Kittle's not in the game, can I, should I start Brandon Ayuk? Because there's more targets that are going to go his way. But in the end, it's still raining. Not great for passing. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. 
Now, what what I thought was funny, one of the things I saw today, it seems like Justin Fields is already he's not throwing in the towel. That's what I have written here. But it seems like Justin Fields is the Bears quarterback, if you didn't know, is already ready for a long day. He told the media today, this is a, a tweet from Sean Hammond. He said, Bears quarterback Justin Fields says he's going to be real with rookie left tackle Braxton Jones when adversity hits on Sunday. And his quote was, I hope none of y'all, meaning the media, expect him to win win every rep against Nick Bosa. <laughs> oh, man. Rookie left tackle Braxton Jones going against what is probably the best Nick Bosa we've ever seen. I believe it was Matt Barrows of The Athletic wrote um, an article about just how good a shape Nick Bosa was in, how fast his 10-yard splits are, which, you know, they always make defensive ends, along with everybody do 40-yard dashes, and everybody Googles about it. But in the end, it's about that short burst, that 10-yard burst. Nick Bosa even said himself that it's all about the 10-yard burst. I mean, if you think about it, you're starting at the wide nine, defensive end. It's a, You're about 10 yards from the quarterback, maybe a little bit less. So, you know, that quit, that burst in power through that that moment is is probably the most important thing when it comes to mobility for a defensive end, but it really does seem like Fields is prepared for one hell of a thing and you can bet that the 49 or excuse me that the Bears are game planning around Nick Bosa. Now, the good thing about the 49ers is Samson Ebicam's not bad opposite Nick Bosa. You've also got rookie Jake Drake Jackson that could get some action in there. You've got a rotation of pass rushers that are just going to be coming in waves at Justin Fields. You've got Samson Ebicam, you've got Drake Jackson, you've got Kerry Hyder, you've got Charles Omenahu, Jordan Willis. You know, all of those guys are capable of coming in and having an impact in the NFL. And then, sure, game plan around Nick Bosa, you've still got Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead on the inside. And then you've got this rotation of Kevin Givens, Hassan Ridgeway, and Jordan Willis is a big dude. He's capable of rotating inside. So is Kerry Hyder. So, I mean, damn. There's going to be a lot coming at Justin Fields on Sunday. I don't know how solid their offensive line is. I did see a clip today of Eric Armstead bullying then Packers offensive lineman that is now the uh, the Bears center. I can find the name right here. It's, they just have him listed as O-line, though. I don't think they have C for center on here. No, they just have him listed as O-line. So I wouldn't necessarily be able to tell which one is the center. But anyways, I thought it was a funny quote from Justin Fields, knowing that he is going up against the freight train that I believe is the favorite for defensive player of the year in Nick Bosa. So, I mean, GG's, good luck with that. Some things that I'm watching when it comes to the game. Some things I have thought of some things that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. The first one is the most obvious one in the world, and that's Trey Lance. Of course, everybody's going to have their eye on Trey Lance. Now, again, is the weather going to slant that view a little bit and our expectations? Probably. I think that's fair. You know, no one ever expects quarterbacks to light it up or perform particularly well when it's raining. I mean, look what Aaron Rodgers did against the 49ers defense in the snow. It's just, it's never impressive. So, Whatever Trey Lance can do in the rain, if he can do anything in the rain, should be, you know, a plus. In in reality, when it comes to this type of weather, maybe what you want to see from maybe what you want to see from Trey Lance is just not a lot. What's the best way to say this? You don't want to see mistakes. You want to see few mistakes. I I think no mistakes is unrealistic, especially for a quarterback making his third start with the 49ers first season as the man. Uh, You just want to see him lessen the mistakes. So that's kind of where I'm at if if the weather is as bad as it's projected to be. If the weather rounds into form and the 40, excuse me, the 49ers can toss the ball uh, around a little bit. My biggest thing is how is... Kyle Shanahan still going to dial up plenty of plays that Jimmy Garoppolo was very good at executing. Throws over the middle, hitting a target in stride, and allowing them to run after the catch. How is Trey Lance going to be at executing those types of plays? I really don't I don't have any doubts about the plays Trey Lance is going to create when he evades pressure, rolls out of the pockets, find a, finds a receiver downfield, throws it on the run, and hits him. 
um, and picks up the first down. I want to see how good Trey Lance is at keeping plays in rhythm, taking the snap, making the read, and bam, hitting the slant and letting him turn up field for another 10 yards. The, the rhythm plays is what I'm really looking for from Trey Lance. But again, if it's pouring, those plays are, I mean, you're also talking about a quarterback that has a pretty strong arm. It's going to be tough for these receivers to catch a wet ball that's thrown not soft. So we'll see how much the passing game is going to do. My next note was, can he keep the completion percentage above 60? Again, same excuse. Is the rain going to kind of throw a wrench into that? And eh, we'll see. I just don't, we, we don't know. We don't know. And then my last little note, as far as what I'm going to be watching from Trey Lance, is just his presence in the pocket. Is he willing to stand in there while things get crazy around him and put the ball where it needs to be? We know he can run, but you know, and sometimes that running ability can work against you. And the fact that you're willing to bail out of a pocket too early and you're willing to run downfield when you could have kept your eyes up. Although I have seen everything I've seen from Trey Lance shows me he wants to keep his eyes up and, and downfield and find a target. But we, we all know that. You don't need to hear me tell you that. You've seen running quarterbacks that will kind of work against themselves at times. Um, but at the same time, it also bails offenses out many times. So it's kind of just like a double-edged sword. Um, but obviously, all eyes are going to be on Trey Lance. My eyes are no different. Um, I'm just looking. I just want to see that rhythm, that efficient, efficientness. Is that even a word? Efficientness? Sounds horrible. Efficientness? I'm going to type it into Google right now. We're going to, we're going to figure this out right now. Um, efic- efficiency. I know that. Is, was that what the word I should use? Yeah, it's just efficiency. Trey Lance's efficiency. Anyways, whatever. So that's what I'm watching. Just the, the smoothness, the confidence operating the offense. I have no doubt that Trey Lance is going to create some amazing offense or off-schedule plays, push the ball downfield a little bit, which I love. I would rather have the 49ers pushing the ball downfield but completing less passes and maybe a couple more drives ends in punts. But maybe you end up scoring more points because you're just constantly willing to push the ball down the field. I think probably defensive coordinators would agree with that too. They'd rather have somebody like Jimmy G that would try and dink and dunk his way down the field versus a quarterback that's just constantly willing to push the defense's limits. Um, The next thing I'm looking for is the backfield, the rushing splits. Who gets the most carries? Who's the guy? Who has the most success? Because when it comes to the 49ers backfield, you're looking at Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Ty Davis-Price, Jordan Mason. You know, we haven't got on here and broken down the 49ers 53-man roster. But Jordan Mason is one of the the surprises, you know. I didn't think the 49ers were going to commit to keeping him over the likes of Trey Sermon, you know, uh, who's now on the Eagles, by the way. The 49ers did end up releasing Trey Sermon, and he was claimed by the Eagles, and he's now on their 53-man roster. Jordan Mason beat him out for a roster spot, another undrafted free agent coming in and doing the damn thing. And I posted on Twitter as a joke, like the 49ers should no longer be allowed to draft running backs before like the fifth round. That's because I had to say that because that's when Elijah Mitchell was drafted. Actually, I think he was a six runner. Anyways, no slight toward Tyrion Davis price. We, the jury is still out. He had a pretty good off season, pretty good preseason. We'll see what he does. Um, you know, obviously he's the the lone third rounder in the backfield. Everybody else is either undrafted or a late rounder. So um, I'm just jokingly said the 49ers could no longer draft a running back before the sixth round. So Jordan Mason, cool story. I'm not sure how many touches he's going to get in the game, but I'm just looking at is Elijah Mitchell clearly the guy um, or does Jeff Wilson or do they go for a 50-50 split to kind of preserve both? Uh, does Tyrion Davis Price work his way in? There's only so many touches to go around. But if it's raining, there may be a lot of touches to go around. If there's 50, 50 carries, I mean, Elijah Mitchell could have 18 of them. Jeff Wilson could have, you know, 15 of them. And you're only at 33. You know, there there very well could be a very good glimpse at what these running backs can do. Um, now, in the rain, again, can create some pretty hectic environments. But I'm really watching that running back split and who starts to earn that, 
you know, that role. I don't think it's guaranteed to be Elijah Mitchell. He Mitchell's he's been solid. He was great. But I think any one of those guys is capable of pushing for that role. Every carry is a competition in that backfield. I don't think anybody has outright ownage of that RB1 role. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's also why I drafted no Kyle Shanahan running backs in fantasy. Could Elijah Mitchell break out and just be the guy? Of course he could. But there's three other backs in that backfield that are pretty solid. Um, I probably would guess that maybe Jordan Mason is inactive on game days. And the 49ers have Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, Tyrion Davis-Price, and Kyle Juszczyk up. But we'll see. We'll see. I hate that they have to do that. I just think the entire 53 should be active. Like you made them cut down to 53, just make them all active. Like, why can't they all just wear uniforms? I know there's like an explanation in terms of injured players kind of balancing it out, but I don't know. I think it's stupid. Um, my other thing I'm going to watch is kind of like these, uh, my third thing to watch is like this, these defensive spotlights, like players on defense that we know we need to watch. So I kind of like summed them up together. Samuel Womack at nickel fifth round rookie corner comes in, has the preseason of his life. The only preseason of his life, I guess. And just outright earns the nickel cornerback role. The 49ers cut Darquise Denard, who Played a lot there last season and was the starter throughout all the training camp. And Womack just played to a level where there was like, all right, bye. See you later. We'll go with Womack. I mean, that's a huge nod at a critical position. People used to not claim that that the nickel corner was a starter. That dude is playing 75% of the snaps now. I think that's – it could be more now. I, th- I think that's where they're at. In like 60%, 70% of the snaps, there's a nickel corner on the field. So, to me, he's unquestionably a starter, and we'll see how he does. You know, the the Bears have a decent, decent receiving core. You know, you've got Dante Pettis, who everybody knows well. Uh, You've got Darnell Mooney, who's just become like a stalwart of that offense, their go-to guy, per se. And then I don't know why he's not organized with everybody. Is he on? Oh, yeah, okay. Nikhil Harry, he's on injured reserve. Okay. I was going to say, they traded for Nikhil Harry. I don't know why he's not on the roster. Um, But Nikhil Harry, David Moore, and Tajay Sharp are all on injured reserve. So, I mean, the biggest guy they're going to have to worry about is Darnell Mooney. Um, Dante Pettis can still hit you where it hurts. You know, I mean, he earned that spot on the team. Equinemius St. Brown, former Packers guy. Uh, out of Notre Dame. So, I mean, they've got a decent receiving core, but again, is the weather going to permit a whole lot of passing? I think Samuel Womack's definitely going to get tested, but damn, I mean, it's it's awesome that he earned that role. He's definitely somebody that I'm going to be looking at to see how he does. Uh, it's trial by fire from here on out. Uh, I like that for the 49ers, though, and I like that for corners. I mean, that's what we saw Ambry Thomas go through last year, and he did not have the best offseason. But we saw him in the moment. I mean, he secured the game-winning interception against the Rams in Los Angeles to send the 49ers to the playoffs. Like, he rose to the occasion. And I don't know what his Ambry Thomas's role is going to be this year, but I'm looking at Samuel Womack for kind of like the same reason. Like, yeah, he's a rookie. He's young. Um, and he may be a little bit in over his head, but I'm looking forward to seeing with what he does with that opportunity. Another one I'm looking at, obviously, is Javon Kinlaw. This is a absolutely massive season for Javon Kinlaw. You know, struggling with injury up to this point, calling it quits last season to finally have the surgery he needed to have, moving around without pain in his knee, looking like an absolute monster. I mean, I, I love when NFL players refer to each other or or themselves as like silverback gorillas because silverback gorillas are just abs. I mean, you just look at one. They're just the most intimidating things. Like, just pure muscle. And Javon Kinlaw actually looks like that now. Like he is unbelievably jacked. I think he may have, if you see that video that I believe Steph took from the 49ers, 49K podcast, 49 carat, something like that. I'm not trying to slide him. I just get mixed up. She took a video of him coming off the field in Minnesota, just looking absolutely jacked. Like maybe surpassing Nick Bosa as the most intimidating guy on the team. I'll ask Grant Cohn. 
Anyways, so huge season for Javon Kinlaw. He is the anchor at the center of that defensive line. Eric Armstead's in the center too, but usually he's you know he's kind of a three tech, four tech. You know, he's he's still uh, Javon Kinlaw is going to be right there in the middle. This is a massive season for him. It'll determine whether the 49ers exercise his fifth-year option. It'll determine if the 49ers are interested in re-signing him to a long-year deal, which he's eligible for at the end of this season. And it, it, it'll determine how good the 49ers' defensive line is. Like, you can't be that great if teams can just run right down the middle. So, I mean, there's some serious pressure on Javon Kinlaw, but he looks ready for it. And I'm going to watch him. When last He played a lot of the preseason snaps, I believe, in Minnesota. Was it Minnesota? No, it was against the Texans, I believe. And he just didn't stand out as much as I thought he would. He did make some plays. But the spotlight's on Javon Kinlaw now. And, and the, you know, he has the 49ers used the draft capital on him. He looks ready. If he can stay healthy and really come into form, then that defensive front for the 49ers, it could be wild. I mean, I I think I tweeted today. The 49ers front seven is just unbelievable. You got Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Samson Ebukam, uh, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshair. Like, that is an unbelievable front seven. They are going to create some problems. And then you've got Emmanuel Mosley, who's been playing very well, and Charvarius Ward on either side as corners. Like we said, we'll see what Sam Womack has. But one of my first little causes for concern, I guess you could say, is safeties. You know, you've got Talanoa Hufonga, who got plenty of game time, who got plenty of snaps last year, but wasn't the guy. That was Jaquasi Tart. He's stepping in for the first time, and then George Odom's listed as a free safety who they picked up as a free agent instead of the injured Jimmy Ward, who's not going to be eligible to play for at least four weeks per the rules. His injury may take him beyond that. So I'm a little worried about the safeties. you got a relative inexperience for Hufanga, and then you've got George Odom, who was brought in as kind of like a, a free agent did make some plays in uh, training camp, did make some plays in the preseason, but that safety tandem is kind of like my first cause for concern. I don't know that they're going to truly be taken advantage of as much as they would in a normal game with plenty of passing if it is raining that much, but we'll see what those two are able to do. Every other piece of that defense is pretty damn impressive. That's my biggest question mark. How's George Odom? going to do at free safety you know he's got a lot of experience this is his fifth year in the league I just don't know what to expect from him in that spot Talano Hufunga pretty encouraging what we've seen but who knows how he's going to be as a full-time starter in that spot and obviously my second cause for concern when it comes to going up against these Bears is the 49ers offensive line all of them have question marks but one spot and that's obviously Trent Williams. But then you've got Aaron Banks, second-year player. He was a second-round pick, but he's making his first starts. He was basically inactive, an inactive ghost for all of last season after posting, I think, like a 0.0 preseason grade. I'm not putting that on him. He's had a decent offseason. But teams are going to come at him and the rest of that interior offensive line relentlessly. You've got veteran free agent Jake Brendel starting at center. Daniel Brunskill's still dealing with an injury, so I don't even know if he's going to be active for the game day. And then you've got another rookie. Well, I guess he's the only rookie technically. Aaron Banks isn't technically a rookie, but it's like a redshirt rookie season. Then you've got Spencer Burford starting at right guard, fourth-round rookie. Has shown some encouraging stuff, has shown some concerning stuff, and now he's going up against the best the team has to offer. Don't – I mean – I'm worried about Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, and Spencer Burford. That, to me, seems like a major weakness of this team, and they're the ones that are supposed to be keeping Trey Lance safe in the pocket. I'm not worried about Trent Williams. I ain't even going to worry about it. Mike McGlinchey coming off a major injury with quad tear. He's been practicing. He's fully cleared. He's ready to go. He's dealing with been dealing with a sore knee. There were some clips of him just kind of going through warm-ups and then favoring that knee. Most NFL players play hurt constantly. Like one of my my uh, eighth grade f- 
football players told me over the weekend, coach, I'm hurt. I'm not injured. <laughs> that's kind of, that's like football in a nutshell. I love that quote. But to me, everybody but Trent, Trent Williams, Trent, everybody but Trent Williams, everybody but Trent Williams is a question mark. And I do not know how they're going to play on Sunday. And that worries me. I mean, it's the offensive line. None of this shit's going to matter if those guys don't do their job. Okay, we can talk about what the how stacked the rest of the roster is all we want, but if that offensive line doesn't figure it out, and I'm not saying they're going to be bad, I'm just saying they're a question mark, then we're in for a long afternoon. It doesn't matter what NFL team it is or how bad they are. If your interior offensive line is just constantly crumbling under some pressure, it's going to be a long afternoon. Okay, the Bears' raw defense, not bad. Not bad. Got They... They were only fourth in the NFL in sacks last year with 49 sacks. They were one sack ahead of the 49ers. Now, you know, is that, does that paint the entire picture? No, but it's not bad. It's not bad. The Bears also gave up about top 10 in yards per uh, yards per completion at 6.8. So people were passing it a lot against the Bears. You know, and I mean, I mean, I say that, but their passing yards given up just weren't that much. But then you can you can jump over to rushing yards, go to yards per carry, the amount of rush yards people were running against the Bears. They're up in the top half of the league in terms of giving up 4.4 yards a carry. Um, they're in the top half of the league, top 10 of the league in terms of the total rush yards given. But when, they, when offenses were passing against the Bears, the Bears were getting after the quarterback, 49 sacks. So... They do have, you know, I believe Robert Quinn's their main guy, if I'm not mistaken. Kind of crazy, right? How long has Robert Quinn been in the NFL? Let's let's find this. Let's click positions, D, D-line. Let me find him. Let me find him. Robert Quinn, 12 years. Wasn't he on the Rams at one point? It was just okay. And then he goes to the Bears and just has a pretty incredible season. I want to say he was like, all pro or something? Yeah, he was on the Rams for like ten, like six, seven years, and was just okay. Well, I mean, actually, there's a nineteen to nineteen sack season chilling there in 2013. But I mean, that's 2013. Since then, he went ten and a half, five, four, eight and a half, six and a half, eleven and a half with the Dallas Cowboys, two and twenty with the Bears. Sure, an injury was happening in there somewhere, but it says he played started thirteen games. But then last year, he had eighteen and a half sacks. Damn, like why? Like it just seems like people are not talking about Robert Quinn enough. That is some shit right there. 18 and a half sacks. Am I the only one not hearing about Robert Quinn? Now look, I know who Robert Quinn is. I know he's good. But damn, he 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 holds the Bears all-time single season record with 18 and a half sacks. That's wild. I just feel like nobody was talking about Robert Quinn, but I could be tripping. So, I mean, he's an edge rusher. The 49ers are going to try to get him matched up against Trent Williams and even against Mike McGlinchey. I, I count on Mike McGlinchey to hold his own to an extent. But to me, it's that interior offensive line, man. I, I'm not trying to hit you with some doom and gloom, but that that's what I'm watching. That's probably what I'm watching, number one. Cause for concern, number one. Cause for concern when it comes to the entire season is that offensive line. I hope they can shut me up. I hope they can outperform it. Do I think the 49ers beat the Bears? I do. I believe the 49ers are favored by six and a half points, which is kind of wild because typically betting lines favor the home team by three points. So that means the 49ers are actually favored by like nine and a half points. So, I mean, I, I given the weather, I, I want to predict like maybe like a, a 20 to 10 49ers win. I could see the 49ers holding the Bears to even less if the weather's really that bad. But maybe I'll go maybe I'll do, I'll go 23-10. 49ers win. That's my prediction for the first week of the season. But hell, man, we get we get Rams and Bills tomorrow night. That's going to be one hell of a game. Let's go. I'm excited to be back, man. I'm excited for you guys. What do you guys think about the Bears? I know a lot of people are writing them off, but shit gets weird when it starts raining, man. And, you know, it's it's the Bears home opener. It's Trey Lance's first game. 
you know, as the man, as as the man of this year, I, I always have to preface with that. I should just stop saying it's Trey first game. It could get weird. That's all I'm saying. But I do think the 49ers are going to win. They are favored. They are a massive squad. I do expect this defense to just be insanely stubborn. You know, when it's raining, you've got to run the ball. And I think the 49ers are going to be one of the rest, best run defense teams in the NFL. And, and like I said, one of the better defenses in the NFL. So I'm not sure what the Bears are going to be able to do against this squad. But like I said, things just get weird. And if that 49ers offensive line can't protect, uh, you know, how how well are you going to be able to run the ball? How well are you going to be able to get Trey Lance doing anything? So kind of all starts there. You know, you guys know that, though. I mean, you're football fans. It all starts up front, whether you're on the, the offensive or defensive line. So, but let's go. Let's go official prediction. 49ers win 23 to 10. That's what I'm going to go with. That's what I'm going to go with. Uh, don't forget to set your fantasy football lineups. Don't be one of those. Don't don't just don't just crush the integrity of your league by being a person that forgets to set their lineups. Like that's the worst. That's the worst. I don't know what else do I need to say. Did I miss anything on my notes? I don't think so. Yeah. One more time. Who gives a shit who the team captains are? <laughs> All right. I love you guys. I'm excited for you. I'm excited with you. I cannot wait to jump on here after Sunday's game and give my reactions. It's just like, it's back, man. We're here. It's back. Uh, be, be expecting podcasts at least two days a week. One, instant reactions. Two, preparing for the next week's games and kind of a week recap. Uh, there may be a third in there, just kind of if I feel like something happens throughout the week that needs it. Maybe I want to get a guest on here. Maybe uh, I just want to break down the game in a little more detail. Maybe I saw things that I didn't see in the post game reaction. Uh, we'll see. But I mean, we're back in regular season form now. This is podcast number one of the regular season, and we're at least shooting for two a week. So, man, I love it. I love y'all. Um, thank you for listening to Strike and Gold. Thank you for sticking with this podcast for so damn long. And if you're new, I mean, stick around. Let's go. I mean, I need you. Let's ride. I need every single one of you. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter for all sorts of sarcastic tweets. Um, just hopefully you can pick up on the sarcasm at Rob underscore louder. If you can leave us a positive review on whatever app you listen to the podcast, but only if you believe in it, I'm not asking you to be dishonest and give me a courtesy five star. I want, I want, if you're passionate about the love, then leave the love. It's, it's Okay. I just want you to be honest. It's 8 o'clock in Fresno right now, and it's 104 degrees. What the hell is going on? All right, everybody. Y'all know what it is. We've got we've to move on. we gotta, we got to stop recording. I'm at, hey, I'm at 49 minutes. That's an omen. Go Niners. I will see you guys after the game. In the meantime, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. We are signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.